right, grab a seat. If you're a kid heading down to Kids Church with uh, McIntyre's, head on down. If you're an adult and you think you'd have a better time there, you go give that a shot and see how that works. <laughs> they put energy in you and then they suck it back out, but it's a pretty cool gig, all right? Heading down there. All right, very good. All right. Hey, I need you guys to, uh, this, there's one thought that I want you to leave here with today. Now, they're going to get more than one thought, I guess, and, uh, but uh, uh, there's one thought that I really just want you bringing home that I want you looking at today. I want you thinking about all week, never forgetting, but, and it's this thought. It's uh, what I'm living is what I'm giving. All right, so everybody say that. What I'm living is what I'm given. In other words, whatever you're living right now is what you're giving out to everybody that's around you. And so you have a choice on that. So what I'm living is what I'm given. All right, you got that, man? All right, go ahead, man. Help, help us out over here. What I'm living is what I'm given. Yeah, what I'm living. Charlie, you got it, man? Help me out, Charlie. What I'm living is what I'm given. All right, Ralph, you have it now? What I'm what I'm living is what I'm Yeah, whatever you're living. Y'all are laughing over here. Sam, go ahead. Yeah, dude. Y'all say you're laughing at him. I'm stuttering. Go ahead. Come on. What I'm living is what I'm giving. Yeah, what I'm living. Whatever I'm living right now is what I'm giving. Is that not right, Mike? That's right. Help me out, man. What I'm living is what I'm giving. That's it. So what have you ever let me ask you a question. What was when y'all see each other casually, all right, you walk into church and you see you see each other in the parking lot or see each other wherever you see each other. What's the first thing you say to somebody? What do you say to somebody? How you doing? And if you give people the typical American response that's comfortable and that's easy and you really don't want to tell them, you'd say, what do you say? Um, I'm good, I'm good. Right? But, and you know that if somebody really does tell you how they're feeling or what they're living, how's that work out, Carl? <laughs> They see you coming next time, what do they do? They go hit another aisle in the grocery store, right? But, but so, because so, what are you going to tell them? Whatever you're living right now, that's what you've got to give. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever had God just do something so phenomenal in your life you just couldn't keep it to yourself? Man, I am so overwhelmed with your text and with your emails and with your phone calls and you telling me and sharing with me things. Guess what? Every day I get phone calls or I get texts and emails from people that are like, guess what God did? Guess what God did? Because that's what they're living right now. Whatever you're living, that's what you're giving. But by the same token, I got some people not living so good stuff. <laughs> and it's like, maybe they haven't been following God. Maybe some things have happened. Whatever. Hey, anybody ever live with a toothache? Yeah, what'd you give everybody around you? At least a toothache, if not pains in other parts of their body, right? Back aches, foot aches, whatever. Neck, neck ache, man. I, I am so glad that you are here and we're praying for your neck. Is it getting better? Yes. Your body's getting better? Yes. All right. Hey, I'm going to share something with you. When I was in Nigeria... We would, uh, back in the day, we would say Yajiki, and you would answer back Lafia. You know what Yajiki means in Nigeria, in Hausa language? It means, how's your body? <laughs> and, and, and in Nigeria there, if your body was okay, everything else was okay, man. We didn't have nothing else to complain about, and Lafia means my body's good. So, Yajiki. Yeah, that's it. Your body's good. All right, you did it. You see, now you're multicultural, multilanguage, all that. Bilingual, that's what we call it. All right. But anyways, what I'm living is what I'm given. How many of y'all agree with that? Amen. Literally. Hey, 
Pittsburgh Rob, you know, Mar- Mar- does your husband, does your husband ever give you what he's living? Like, yes. Yeah, he does. All right. Any other wives testify to that? Husbands come home with a bad day. What do you get? You get that. So just know whatever I'm living, that's what I'm given. And so if for we live like the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul said for me to live is what? Christ and to die is better. That's what he said when he said his game. So if for me life is Christ, if I'm living it, then what, what am I doing? I'm giving it. If I'm living Christ, that's what I'm giving. I, I was challenged a while ago to kind of make that part of my life. I like to practice what I'm preaching, and I ask you guys to call me on it if I'm ever not doing that. And so many, many times now when people say, how you doing? Instead of giving the typical American answer, oh, I'm all right or whatever. Let's keep moving on. I don't really want to share my dirty laundry with you, whatever. I don't really, you know, think you care, whatever. I, I ask, I, I share with people instead when they say, how you doing? I, I say what? Anybody remember that I give you? Better than I deserve. That's what I want. Whenever I say, I want people to know I'm better than I deserve. And you know how many gospel conversations have been started with that response? People say, how you doing? And I'm like, better than I deserve. And sometimes I'm like, oh, come on, you're one of the nicest people I know. You're like, no, you gotta ask my wife, man. <laughs> I'm really not, but, you know, or better than I deserve. And they're like, oh, man, come on, you've done good, you deserve, no, you know. Or like, yeah, a lot of times people look and they're like, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, we are better than we deserve. And it puts things into perspective because sometimes when we're ungrateful, we think we're not getting what we deserve. How many of y'all want what you deserve? No, <laughs> you don't want what you deserve. Because scripturally speaking, what do we deserve, Seth? We deserve hell. Literally, if we have ever sinned once. Anybody here never sin once? Raise your hand because you'll just sin. That will be a sin if you raise your hand. Because the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So if you raise your hand, even in your heart, you have just sinned. And he said in Romans 6.23, he says the wages of sin, what we earn by us, even one sin or the sin nature, is we earn a free trip to hell. It's eternal separation from God. But he says, but the gift from God, the free gift that all you have to do. Hey, bro, if I wanted to give you my wallet, man, more time on your name. That's Ian. Adam, Adam, the first, yes. If I wanted to give you my wallet, man, would that be, you know, what would you have to do for it to be yours? Take it. What if I said, but dude, I, I, I really need you to clean my, the, the cheese under my big toenail. <laughs> would it be a gift still? It probably wouldn't even be a good deal, would it? <laughs> no, because you don't even know what's in there. But if you have to do anything for it other than just take it, it's not a gift. And so he says the free gift of eternal life comes through Jesus Christ our Lord. He gives you the desire to surrender everything you know about yourself to everything you know about him because you believe what he did on the cross, as foolish as it used to be to you, is now reality. It's now truth. That he's paid for your sins and taken them away once you come under the blood of Christ. If you can believe that, you just take that gift and say, I believe you are. What's that song say? The way, the truth, the life. Yeah, we were just singing it. And so, so man, it, it, it's a gift. So a lot of times people will ask me, they're like, how you doing? And I'll say, man, I'm doing, you know what? I'm doing better than I deserve. And some of you say, man, I'm doing better than I deserve through Christ. But I guarantee you, I always get a response. When I say I'm doing better than I deserve, there's always a response. There's a puzzled look. There's something on their face. And I'm going to challenge you guys. I'm going to challenge you. You want to be a disciple now? This is some legalistic thing. But if you want to share the gospel, but you don't know how to get into that conversation with people, I'm challenging you. When people ask you how you do, and say, I'm better than I deserve. 
Now, some people who've asked you how you're doing before and they don't want to deal with it, they'll run from you, all right? But other people, man, you'll be surprised at how many people you get to share the word with. Because, again, I always have my cards with me, and they're like, how you doing? I said, I'm better than I deserve. And they're like, oh, what do you mean by that? I said, dude, my home's in heaven. I have a home in heaven. But I don't deserve it because my life was filled with sin. And there was nothing I could do to cover my sin up. But one day, God gave me the desire and ability to believe that what Christ did on the cross, his shed blood paid for my sins and took it away. And I thought it was ridiculous until he gave me desire and ability. And then I surrendered myself to him. Now I have a home in heaven. And to tell you the truth, I'd really like to be there. But he's got something for me to do right here. And that's as I live in this broken world. I live in his presence and I live in his power and I see it from his perspective. And I grow more in love with him. So it caused me to grow more in love with others. And that's why I'm sharing this with you. Because I want you to be a part of it. Did you catch that on those colors? It's easy. You don't have to like tell them the gold stands for or whatever, but you, you kind of know that. But man, when they ask me, you know, what do you mean you're better than you deserve? I have a home where? That's the gold. I have a home in heaven. And, and it wasn't always so because of what's the dark represent? Sin. Yeah, I had sin separating me from God. That's scriptural. You can go to the biggest theologian in the world and you want to study for hours on each one of these topics. You can. But most people... When the Holy Spirit is working in their life and they need to hear the gospel and God has given you the privilege to be the one to share it with them. They don't need all of that sign on the dotted line. They just need the info because God has put you in their life to share it. Anybody here ever share the gospel with somebody and they pray to receive Christ? Who? Let me see your hands. You've done that. Hey, Zane, was it not the most horrible experience you've ever had? You don't ever want it to happen again? No, it was just the opposite. When you realize God, it wasn't you. God spoke through you. He worked through you. It's a pretty cool thing to be a tool for God. And that's what we were left here to be. So again, man, my home is where? Okay, but it hadn't always been so. I didn't deserve it because of what? Because of the sin. But he gave me desire and ability to, to believe what Christ did on the cross, pays for my sins, and he left me here to grow more in love with him. That's why I'm growing more in love with you and want to share it with you. So whatever I'm living, that's what I'm what? Whatever I'm living, that's what I'm what? That's what I'm giving. Hey, you're getting ready to go to the Coast Guard, right? Dude, when you go to the Coast Guard, they're going to pretty much own you, right? But do they take the gospel away from you? Are you still going to have the gospel? All right, why is God even putting you in the Coast Guard? Is God putting you in the Coast Guard so that you can go rescue us and forget about the eternal rescue salvation? No. Is he want you to forget about God and only, only focus on the Coast Guard? No. Why is he putting you in the Coast Guard? Yeah, there's people there that need the light. Do you think there's going to be any lost people in the Coast Guard? Hey, do you think there's any people that need the gospel in your life? <laughs> Zane, you hit the construction field. He is the parson. Zane, raise your hand. <coughs> Zane is the parson pastor of the construction industry in St. Lucie, Martin, and Indian River County. That is who he is. That's what he's got. Are you going to run into any construction workers that need to hear the gospel? And who did God put there to be a light to do that? Yeah. Jared, I told you, man, I was going to call on you. When you go back to Tennessee later, is there anybody in Tennessee where you live that needs the gospel? I know it's the Bible Belt and they've all heard it, but is there anybody that needs it? Yeah. And he's put you there to do what with it? To share it with them. That's our job, man. And so if we're living it, we're giving it. But if we're living, whatever we're living, we're giving. What if we're living in self-pity? What if we're living, woe is me, <laughs> my life's horrible. Uh, dude, that's what you're giving. Whatever you're living, that's what you're giving. So 
Here's what I'm going to encourage you today. If you're living it, talking about the gospel, you're giving it. If you live the gospel and for you to live as Christ and to die as gain, then guess what you're going to be giving people? The gospel. You're going to be helping them see life from God's perspective because you're seeing it that way no matter what's going on in your life. Hey, Carol Ann, are you in the pool at all anymore? Oh, yeah. Okay, so you still got your pool ministry. Yes. All right. Did you guys know that if you have a pool at your condo, you can have a pool ministry? Is there ever anybody at your pool? Yeah, there's people. It's kind of cold right now, though, right? No, it's not. It's a heated pool? Or is it a kiddie pool where it's self-heated? No, I'm just joking. No. <laughs> if it's not a heated pool and it's hot, I would not go in it right now. But I'm just saying, as a local. But, but yeah, there's people there. That's your ministry right there. Man, everybody's got a place. Everybody, man, you, unless you just live in your little house, man, you need to get out. Because there's a whole world out there that needs the light, and that's you. You're that light. So if you're living it, if you're living the gospel, what are you going to be given? The gospel. You cannot help if God's doing things so supernatural in your life that you, that are undeniable, you can't keep your mouth quiet, can you? You can't shut up about it. And he wants to do those things continually so we can continually brag on him. So if you're living it, you're giving it. Check this out. We're ending Paul's uh, first missionary journey, okay? And uh, we've been in it a long time. We actually went through the book of Hebrews in the middle of it, okay? And, and we're back again. Hey, why did they call it the first missionary journey? Because there's what? Yeah, there's a second one. There's, third, there's more. And in, in other words, you know, you don't have this one calling in life to go take off on a bicycle and go out for three years, and now you've fulfilled your duty. From the time you're born again to the time you what? What does that song say we sang? From the time we're born again to the time he brings us home. Man, we're on this mission for Christ. And it's a cool gig when you realize that and you can see where he places you all the time. It might be Cumberland Farms for an icy right after this. I challenge you. How many of y'all think somebody's going to ask you today how you're doing? How many of y'all think somebody's going to ask you besides me? Yeah. Hey, I'm going to challenge you, bro. What are you going to tell them? I want to challenge you to say, I'm doing better than I deserve. How many of y'all would take that challenge right now? Y'all big and bold, got all these believers around you. Come on, man. Yeah. I know once it happens, you're going to be like, better than I deserve. No, but that's me. Because after I'm preaching this to you, you know what? God's going to put the biggest, hairiest, scariest person in front of me. And I'm going to be like, no. It is scary, but it's the enemy making it scary. If you realize the big God we represent, man, dude, if someone was on fire, you'd have no problem throwing a bucket of water on them, man. And again, I'm challenging you. How many of you going to take that challenge? If somebody says, how are you doing? You're going to say, better than I deserve. That's all I'm saying. And see where it goes. Just see where it goes. And I can't wait. That praise jar, man, I bet it's going to be full next week. Not just so we have a stat. But, oh, we had a full praise jar. That was awesome then. No. But it's stories of God working. And you being used as a light here. God didn't just bring you here to hang in your condo. It's in your trip to Florida. This is your mission trip to Florida. So in this mission trip that Paul had, you can, um, you can see that they started out here in Antioch. Okay, That's where they got started. They came down over here to Cyprus. And, and crossing this mountain range, coming down to Paphos down here, uh, that's where many people believe that the Apostle Paul got malaria. He was deathly sick. 
Okay? How many of y'all, if you go on a mission trip and you get malaria, what are you going to do? How many of y'all are going home? Yeah, you know, you're going home. All right, I got a reason I'm going. No, dude, Paul, he said, no, I've got to share this. I've got this message. I've been waiting a long time to be able to do this. And so regardless of his health, man, he knew that God wanted him to keep going. So he came up here to Perga, uh, went up to Antioch, okay? Uh, then we saw that he went over to uh, uh, Iconium and Lystra, and then today we're going to see Der Derby. So let me ask you what happened in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What was the result of his preaching? I'll tell you one thing that happened is that a bunch of people gave their life to Christ. A bunch of Gentiles did. But what happened? What happened in the, in the first place of Iconium? Did everybody say, oh, Paul, man, stay forever. Is that what they said? No, what happened? They kicked him out. They got a little ruckus going and they kicked him out of town. So maybe we might say, oh, but God shut the door. I'm going back home and I'm going to eat pizza tonight. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, no. Paul's like, no. What do you want me to do next, God? That's our spirit-filled life. One step. What do you want me to do now, God? And we do it. That's it. Because, again, if all you're doing is, what do you want me to do now, God? What do you want me to do now, God? What do you want me to do now, God? You're going in what? You're going in circles. What if you're just doing, 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 but never asking God what to do? You're going in circles, a spirit-filled life. What do you want me to do now, God? And we're doing it. And that's what Paul did. That's why he went all the way across Cyprus with possibly malaria. And, and when he got up to Antioch and he got kicked out of Antioch, what did he do? He traveled, what, maybe uh, 60, 80 miles, something like that, all the way to Iconium. Hey, what happened in Iconium we talked about two weeks ago? Did everybody say, oh, you, everybody gave their life to Christ. We had revival. Yes, it's awesome. What happened in Iconium? Anybody remember? There was rumor they were trying to kill him, and the Holy Spirit of God moved him. And so he goes now down to Lystra. And, and how did Lystra work out? Yeah, they started worshiping him. And, and then as they're worshiping him, what we're going to see is some of the Jews from Antioch, whether they were just traveling on business or they're purposely following him, trying to, trying to hurt him, they showed up and saw, what, this dude, we threatened you twice and you're still preaching the gospel? Don't you get it? So they do stone him. And we're going to see that many thought he was dead, but he, he wasn't. <laughs> and he, did he give up after that? No. He, so he takes off to Derby after he's left for dead stone. I want you to see he goes all the way over to Derby and and they share the gospel there and then they come back and he goes right back through the places where there was opposition. Why did he go back? Was he doing it out of spite? Why did Paul go anywhere that he went? God told, him to. God told him to exactly. What do you want me to do now, God? I'm doing it. So that's and, and then he goes back. And he could say, you know, I'm not going to go back to that church in Antioch because they're just going to send me out again. And I think I've had enough. I think, but God wanted him to go back to Antioch. And he went back to Antioch to his church, and he couldn't wait to report to them what God had done, what mighty things. Man, if he had quit, would he have experienced any of that, Charlie? No. That's it. And, 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 you know, I, I shared with you this thought one time. I was in a pastor's conference, and somebody asked the pastor, that this guy who was under a lot of opposition, said, what is, how do you define a great man? A great man of God, how do you define him? Not just talking about pastors, but talking about all of us. Great men and women of God by what? Perseverance. By what? Perseverance. Yeah, perseverance. Oh, I like how you say that with your accent there. Yeah, but what it takes to make them quit. 
That's how great you are. That's perseverance right there. How do you tell a great man or woman of God about what it takes to make you quit? What can God call you to do that you say, nah, I don't think so? Have we had those things where God says, this is what I want you to do? You're like, mm, no, that's going to kind of go beyond my comfort zone. And then we can justify it and do other things. No, I think we're going to leave that for somebody else. No, man, what would it take to make you quit following? Now, I'm not talking completely, but I'm talking about following on the next step when God says, what do you want me to do? And you do it. What would it take? Watch. Yeah, he's got to be guiding us. Exactly. So here it is. Here's, uh, so here's Paul living it. Check this out in the next few verses, Acts 14, 19 through 21. Uh, going out of the ESV today, but they're all kind of very similar in this, but living it. This is, if you're not living it, you can't be giving it. And whatever you're living, that's what you're, help me out, you're giving. Whatever you're living, that's what you're giving. And so that's why Paul could always be giving out good stuff, because he was having God do good stuff in his life. You don't think it's good, but dude, he knew God in ways that most of us will never know. Man. Because he understood everything that went in his life was there by God's design. He had to see it from God's perspective so then he could be used to help others see it from God's perspective. It says here, I've already sort of told you the story, it says, but Jews came from, uh, from Antioch. Now, uh, Seth preached last week and you left with what, Charla? The uh, people were getting saved um, in, what was the town, Iconium? Uh, Lystra, okay, which where Timothy was from and all that area and everything. People were getting saved. There was revival, and they were worshiping him. If you were here last week, that's what Seth preached about. They were worshiping him, and they're like, no, no, man, you worship God. So there was success. But there it says here, now some Jews came. They were coming from Antioch and Iconium. Now, whether they were chasing Paul down to shut him down, we don't really know. It could have been just guys doing business. And they were like talking on side, yeah, we took care of that guy. We'll never have to worry about him. Wait, what's he doing? He's preaching again. And it could have been like that. But the fact is, is they were there. They saw Paul preaching and he wasn't deterred by their persecution. It had no effect. So they said, we're going to take care of him now. So they came from Antioch and Iconium and having persuaded the crowds, <laughs> you got don't be a crowd follower. What were these crowds? They're getting ready to per persuade the crowds. It says, look at this. They stoned Paul. So the crowd stoned Paul. What were they just doing? They were wanting to worship him, right? One minute the crowds are wanting to worship him. And the next minute they're wanting to persecute him. They're wanting to stone him. You want to be popular and follow the crowds? That's the fickleness that you will have to deal with your entire life. We live for an audience of one. And we please God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and, er and everything we need will be added unto us. When a man's ways pleases God, it says in Proverbs, even his enemies are at peace with us. Man, we live for that audience of one. You want to please the crowds and be popular? Man, you know what? This is what you can expect. One minute they're praising you, the next minute they're persecuting you. You know how fast a crowd can turn. And so... It says, man, the Jews came and persuaded the crowds that were ready, that were praising them just a few verses before. And they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was what? Yeah. Keyword here is supposing. Now, we're not getting into a theological argument whether this is when Paul saw the third heaven or not. I personally don't believe it is, and I could talk to you about that. It's irrelevant to the story. The story is the fact that Paul, they suppose that he was dead. And if you suppose somebody is stoned and they are dead, then do you have to worry about him again? No. 
So we're taking care of this guy who's out there preaching, all right? And so, again, in all of this, and really one of the biggest reasons why I don't believe this was the time where Paul actually saw, died for real and saw the third heaven is that word supposing. Hey, if you suppose something, if you, Terry, if you suppose you know something, what does that mean? Yeah. You're not positive. You're thinking it, and, 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 and so they supposed that he was dead, but he ended up being dead. Now, again, that's as far as I'm going to go. We can have the theological discussion later, but the point is, is they stoned him, and, and he was down, and they thought he was dead, all right? He thought, because he wasn't moving. He wasn't preaching anymore. Let's just put it that way, all right? And when the disciples gathered around him, now, we don't know what the disciples did, and we're not going to form a whole cult or a whole theological Bible study over the fact that when the, the, what the disciples did and they did this and they did this and they said these magic words and brought this and it brought them to life. That's not anything of what the Bible says. Bible says he quit preaching. He's down for the count. They gathered around him. They might have simply been gathering around him to get his dead body out of there and give him a decent burial that he wasn't going to get from the Jews. We don't know. But the fact is they gathered around him. And what did he do? He what? He rose up. Can you imagine? Hey, dude, we're all around this dead body right here, Morgan. There's dead body. Like, we were out there. Oh, you weren't out there when there was a turtle. But one of these dead jellyfish, man. Remember him laying on the beach there? You know? And all of a sudden, the jellyfish jumps up and starts dancing. It's like, whoa. You know? That, they're all around Paul. He's dead. They suppose he's dead. And all of a sudden, he gets up. And then look what happened. And then he did what? He ran and hightailed it in a different direction. Is that what he did? No, he went right back into the city where they stoned him. <laughs> why did he do that? Did Paul, was he just dense? Did he just not get it? Zane, why did he go back into that city? He did whatever God told him to do. God, you just got stoned. I mean, literally, we talked about stoning wasn't necessarily chasing Pittsburgh Rob down with rocks and hitting him enough times until he falls. Stoning, when they stoned you, they drug you, they throw you in a pit. The people accusing you, those three, two or three witnesses, throw a giant rock on you. And then everybody piles the rocks up. Something like this. This might have been a little more impromptu, but dude, you just got stoned. And I'm not talking about weed. I'm talking about stones. You're down for the count. And all of a sudden, you rise back up. Zane, you're going back into the same place? I would be pulling that proverb out as a dog returns to his vomit, a fool returns to his folly. And I would run and let God speak to me again. Paul had great communication with God Almighty. He had to, to be able to get up and go back into that place. How many of y'all could have found a good reason not to go back? That's, if you're living it, you're giving it. Maybe we're not giving it because we ain't living it. Because we have this comfortable Christianity where we've got our own boundaries and we say, no more. This God, this is it. God, if this is going to change, the, if surely you can work within my standard of living and giving me something to do. So my standard of living doesn't have to change. I'm going to tell you what. If your standard of living determines what you're going to do for God, you'll never get to do what you're supposed to do for God. Amen. How many of you ever had to step out in faith? Yeah. Was it not some of the coolest times you've ever had in your life? Yeah. So when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up, he entered the city, went back. And then on the next day, he went with Barnabas to Derby. That was that long trip that he took over there to Derby. 
Why did he go to Derby on the next day? Yeah, this was a long trip. Um, God, I'm trying to think of how long, maybe 40 miles, 20 miles, 20, let's just say 20. Let's say he walked from here to Fort Pierce, all right? You walked from here to Fort Pierce, but what happened the previous day? What happened to your body? Dude, you had rocks thrown on you. you you're, Jay, could you imagine right now walking from here to Fort Pierce? God tells you, walk to Fort Pierce, and you're like, no, let's let my knee heal. And rightly so, I'm right there with you, bro. But if God says, do it, I think you'd probably make a crutch or something to do it. Because I know you. And I know your character. And I may be overestimating it, but I love you, bro. But <laughs> for his wife, I saw her going, yeah, no, no. <laughs> I believe you'd do it, bro. But you understand, he just got stoned. It probably wasn't, you know, let me heal up a little bit. But the next day, God said, what? <coughs> Go. So he walked to Derby. You think he did a little bit of praying? <laughs> you think he had some alone time with God? You go walk 20 miles and see if you got alone time with God. You know where these guys got the power? It was through prayer. We kneel down for two seconds, maybe a minute. I challenge, if right now I were, to, I were to have everybody be silent and give you 60 seconds, most of you would be squirming in your pants. That's 60 seconds of silence. We just don't pray like they prayed. They saw the power through prayer. They had some alone time with God. We don't do well with quiet time, do we? We have to fill, our, our, fill the voids with something to distract us. Man, it would profit us greatly to have some quiet time with God. But man, look what it said. On the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. What do you, just out of curiosity, what do you guys think he's going to do when he gets to Derby? Yeah. Because he realized from the time he's born again to the time God brings him home, he's supposed to make disciples. Do you understand that's our, our job also? In the Great Commission, that's what he said. I have all authority in heaven and earth. Every, there's no greater authority than me. And I'm telling you, as you're going through your life, make disciples. Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which is the church. And he says, in case you forgot what disciple making is, it's teaching others to observe what I have taught you. But if you ain't learning nothing, you ain't got nothing to teach, right? Does God, like, give you opportunities to learn? Every moment of every day. That's why we see life from his perspective. Everything coming in our life is an opportunity to learn. But how many of y'all skip class because the test is hard? You know what I'm saying? I know I do. I'm going to sit this one out and I'll take the other one. I have enough tests where you think I'm spiritual because I've done enough of these. But man, I've let some good ones go by that I could have learned a lot of stuff. in. So when disciples gathered about him, he rose up, entered the city on the next day. He went with Barnabas to Derby. When he had what? Preached. How many of y'all after getting kicked out of three towns, each one getting progressively worse, would, would preach on the fourth city? <laughs> I mean, going back, he got malaria, got sick. Each one got kicked out. They said they're going to stone him. He nearly escaped. They did stone him. He came back up. Now, he, how many of y'all would say, God, I just don't think this is my calling? <laughs> God, I think I'm supposed to go feed the poor. He says, yes, you are. But you're supposed to preach when you do that. God, I think I'm just supposed to work out a rescue mission. Yes, but you're supposed to preach when you do that. God, I think I'm supposed to hang out in the pool. Yes. But you're supposed to preach when you do that. You're the light. And he's the master of the lampstand and puts it wherever he wants it. That's what he's done with us. So, man, he preached the gospel to that city. 
And look what happened. And had made what? So it ain't the preaching that's got the problem. You know, J.J. was telling me a story uh, the other day, yesterday maybe, about a missionary or something. J.J., uh, help me out with this. This missionary basically, uh, just say it real. Tell me the story. Pastor in China, I heard a story about a pastor. Here, come up here real quick so they can see your face, because some people only read lips, I can tell that. <laughs> so I heard a story about a pastor in China, just felt like the Holy Spirit was asking him, and it read this through a book, but um, felt like the, the Holy Spirit was leading him to go to another pastor in another city, never met him before, didn't know exactly where this guy was supposed to be, I just knew that the, the Spirit was pressing it on his heart to go. And he, he knew that at the time he was going to be having to go through frozen tundra, through woods, um, but the Holy Spirit said, load up your horse, get on it, and just go, take this guy food. And what he didn't know is that this pastor was in the process of starving, he and his family, because the whole city, the whole town that he was in trying to preach the gospel had decided they were going to make sure that he, no he didn't get food and he didn't get, so they were starving him out just by not selling anything to him. And so um, he's, this, this other pastor, though, that's loading up his horse and he's getting food on, he's like starting to talk to guys like, God, you know, this is frozen tundra, right? Like hypothermia is real. Getting like frozen alive is a real thing, a real, a real problem. I might, and God, we're, I'm going to be going through the forest. Like what if a wolf eats my horse and then eats me? Like what good will that do this pastor I'm trying to bring food to? And then the Holy Spirit speaks back to him and says, listen, I've only told you to go. I didn't promise that you were going to return. Yeah. <laughs> Would you go? I mean, you told the story, so I guess. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> or somebody made it up in this urban Christian legend. I don't know. But, but literally, don't. how many of us got to know how we're getting back? Instead of just go. And listen, what did he call the disciples to do? What did he ask? Hey, Chris, man, it's so good to have you. I'm so glad. I'm not going to say it because we're on, you know, your boss. Somebody might be watching. But he's really sick. But, man, I'm so glad you're here, bro. What? Now I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> what were we talking about? Coming back. Um, you, you, yeah, you just asked me to go. You know, you're never out. Yeah. How many of we, Chris, do you <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I'm just glad you're here, bro. I'll get rolling again here on this. Because I knew you were going to give me the right answer. Because you, again, I think are someone that takes whatever God wants you to do and would do it. Would you still go if you didn't know? Man, when he asked the disciples, what did he ask the disciples? He said, he said, follow me. If you're asked to follow, do you know where you're going? Do you know when you're going to get back? Do you know how long you're going to be gone? But yet, we have been so trained. i got to have some more details. Pittsburgh Rob, you ever need? He doesn't. He's a cheese baller of all cheese ballers. That's what cheese balling is. We just go and never know what we're going to find and where we're going to go. End up, that, that's what following is. We just go. So, man, when they preached, had preached the gospel of that city, they had made many disciples. Didn't know what the next step was other than just doing what you're supposed to be doing. And they returned to Lystra. Hey, what just happened in Lystra and Iconium? Yeah, stone and left for dead. And those guys may not be traveling salesmen. They still may be around. And what do you think they're going to want to do? But do you know what they can do? The only thing they can do is what God allows them to do. God wants them to walk right through the midst of it and not be hurt by any stones. He can allow that to happen too. God can do anything if he chooses to. We have to follow. We follow. It's not always guaranteed. He said, just go. I didn't promise you were coming back. 
So they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and then back up to Antioch, the three cities that kicked him out, tried to stone him, and did stone him. He went back through. And why did he go again? God told him to. What would it take to make you quit? What would God, what assignment could God give you that you say, absolutely not? <laughs> Man, I've had to ask myself that question a lot. What's the assignment God could give you where you'd say, absolutely not, I'm done? I'll go do other things and it'll look like I'm spiritual, but there's that one thing I know that you want me to do, but I'm scared and I'm not going to go do it. Or I don't want to do it. Paul, man, he's a great example on basically trusting God to do it. So he lived it. So once you live it, now you can do what, Adam? Once you live it, you can what, Morgan? You can give it. If you ain't been living it, can you give it? No, you're like the person, and this is what our world's become. You're like the person that goes on Google and researches it, and now you are the expert. <laughs> Any of all that person? <laughs> you know, you go on Google and you research it. You've never first firsthand experienced it, but you've read about people who have, and now you're the expert, and you know everything there is to know about it. You are not the expert until you have gone through it. I hate to tell you that. Man, he lived it. Now he can give it. Look what he had to give here strengthening when he got back to all three of those cities. Look what he did. What's the first word? He strengthened the what? Yeah, not the body, because he really wasn't an expert at that. No, I'm just saying. He, he strengthened the souls of the disciples. Disciples are disciplined ones wanting to know the disciplines and how to discipline themselves to have the mind of Christ, who came from heaven and put on the rags of humanity to save us. Man, he strengthened, he wanted to teach them the word because that's what's going to strengthen you. Man, fable, encouragement, rah-rah, cheerleader, big rally, whatever, they're good, but that's not what strengthens you because the minute you leave that pep rally, the minute you leave that person who's cheered you up and the world hits in again, what happens? But when somebody strengthens you with the word of God and you believe that it's true, and you know that that word of God, that word of God lasts for how long? Can anybody take it from you? No, you can give it away and you cannot believe. But the word of God is what strengthens disciples. We have to strengthen each other by teaching each other the word. That's how we see life from God's perspective. I want to know how God, what God's doing in my life as best I can. I got to look to the word to find out what he's doing. Not listening to some preacher, including me, or reading some book about the Bible. Not even listening to podcasts. I'm not saying those things are bad. But I'm talking about you getting into the Word of God and us getting into it together to strengthen each other. That's what's the value of these small groups we're in. Man, I met Ralph for the first time Tuesday night. And he's, God used him to strengthen me with the Word of God. And he's back. I'm glad. Man, we strengthen each other with the word of God, strengthening the souls of the disciples. They came back, strengthened them, and he's got a little street cred behind his preaching now. Yeah, the dude's been kicked out, he's been threatened, and he's actually been killed. Well, close to being killed. They supposed he was dead, okay? So he comes back and he's strengthening them by teaching them the word of God. And look at what's the next word. Yeah, encouraging, exhorting, exactly. When you encourage somebody, what are you putting in somebody? courage. You're not discouraging them, taking courage out of them. You're encouraging, putting courage in them. And what is he encouraging them to do? Get into church. No, what's he encouraging them to do? 
continue in the faith, not just on Sundays, not just on your small group night, but encouraging them to continue. That means they've already started, but continue in the faith unless somebody wants to stone you, right? Unless that obstacle comes in your path where you've already pre, have a predetermined line with God that I'm not going past this. No, encouraging him, them in the faith to do whatever it is God wants them to do. Knowing that this is not what, Karen? This is not my home. This is not my home. Again, how many of y'all know this is not your home? It does seem like we've been here forever, right? But here... Again, I've got 100 grains of sand. I just pulled off my feet from this floor right here. This, each one of these represents a year of life. Jerry, 100 years, is that an old person? Yeah, you're not, you don't even know because you're not even close, right? So that 100 years is a long time, but it's just that. Eternity is not even close to all the other grains of the sand in this entire universe. But yet we make everything about this, don't we? No, God, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going that far. I'm not doing this because of this. He's like, man, seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness and everything you need will be added unto you. Let me be your king. Do what I've asked you to do. And man, in eternity, believe me, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be worth it. Nobody in the Bible lived that God talks about in a good way lived for this life. They dug it. There were good things out of this life, but they were all living for that city. What, Zane, we preached through Hebrews? What city were they living for? Heavenly. Heavenly city. That's what they're living for, man. And so, man, they were strengthening the souls of the disciples, teaching them how to have a disciplined life, walking in scriptural principles, encouraging, putting courage in them to say, no matter what's going on, stay in the faith. Stay with your faith. Live in the faith. And had the guts to tell him the truth that as the days get longer, as we get closer to Jesus coming back, you are going to hear less and less and less of because Paul told Timothy, this guy told Timothy, people want to hear things that make their ears feel good, that tickle their ears. They don't want to hear this next stuff. Read with me the next part. He says, continue in the faith and saying that what? Yeah, through many tribulations. <laughs> through many lottery wins, we're going to be millionaires. Yeah. No, that, we would be saying that differently, wouldn't we? <laughs> but listen, hopefully not. Not you guys. I'm talking to other people that call themselves Christians. Not you guys. But listen, certainly not me. <laughs> no. <laughs> Y'all fall backing off from the lightning that's getting ready to hit my head. <laughs> But look what it says. He had the love. He loved him enough to tell him the truth. You know, the problem with prosperity theology or theology where everything is good. The problem comes when everything isn't. We know all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose. And the next verse tells us that the good that comes out of it is we become more like Christ. And when we can understand that everything that comes in our life while we're here is there by God's design to make us more beautiful and look like Christ, we'll have a lot less anxiety about the things going on. And we'll realize this is temporary. Look what he had the guts to tell him. And saying that the, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Now, did he say that that's all we're going to have is tribulation? No, that's not what he said. Not all. There are good times. How many of you have enjoyed God's blessings richly? God has blessed your socks off. <laughs> Literally. 
how he's provided, how he's taken care of you, how he's, he's, man, he just knocked you off your feet with how good he is in his love. Well, some of that happens in those tribulations also. But here's what this verse is saying. We're not talking about the flip side. What we're talking about is Paul saying that, that when you live for God, there's going to be how many tribulations? Many. So should we be upset when tribulation comes into our life? In fact, he said later, and Peter said it too, that all those that live godly will be what? Persecuted. Persecuted. And our job is not to escape persecution. In fact, the, the blood of the martyrs has always been the seed of the church. You want revival? Anybody here want to see revival? Do you know how we have revival? Go to places where there's intense persecution in the world, like in the Islamic countries. We don't hear about it on our news because they have more important things to tell us, don't they? In Asia, in the, in the places where Islam is falling, it's falling because Christianity is rising. People are getting saved and there's miracles and supernatural things happening. For the sake of the gospel, there is revival going on in China, so much so that China is now putting more limitations and restrictions on things. Because before they were just like, yeah, we'll just let them have their underground, whatever. But now they see it growing and stuff happening. And they're like, no, no, we got to shut this junk down. That's where they're seeing supernatural stuff, where the gospel is growing. Man, and so... There, it's through some of this tribulation. I'm not saying your whole life is tribulation, but don't be surprised when it comes. In fact, James, the brother of Jesus, he had more time with Jesus than any of the disciples ever had, right? Yeah. He didn't believe in him until after the resurrection, we're told. So he lived this whole time. And in fact, when Jesus came and claimed to be the Messiah, said, what did his brother say about him? You're nuts. Yeah, you're nuts. Yeah, dude. Yeah, you're a psycho. You need to stop this talk. We, you you know what? You're hurting our family name. But after the resurrection, they were like, we're nuts. And they all came. And James, what did he say? He said, count it all what? Joy. Joy when you come into diverse, different. I used to think that word was divers, Seth. <laughs> come into divers. They're like, yeah, I'm, in, I'm all on that. Come when you come into different temptations and tests. Because God's doing the testing, the devil's doing the tempting, and it's up to us to do the trusting. And he says, when we do the trusting and we're trusting in God, he says we grow and we get strong. And we don't have to worry about anything because our faith is strong in that point. But he says, man, he was encouraging them with the truth. Look at this. Well, he says many tribulations we must to enter the kingdom of God. Let's take it the two ways you can enter the kingdom of God. The, the two things are the kingdom of God can be right here. If you are living in the kingdom of God, that means God is your what? He's your king. Yeah. If you're in the, if you're personally living in the kingdom of God, God is that means you are seeking first his righteousness and his kingdom and all these things are seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things are added unto you. He's your king. So that can be you individually. And if your wife don't want to do it, Zane, it just no, that's not interesting. <laughs> It really should be the other way around, but that's all right. But, but what I'm saying is, even if nobody else wants to do it, it's, he, he's your king. And we have a hard time understanding because we have a democracy, a republic. We elect people, kick people out. With a king, what was, how did that work? Absolute power. You do absolute power. You do what the king says, no ifs, ands, or buts. 
And so if he's your king, you're saying, what do you want me to do, your majesty? And you're doing it. And you will experience the kingdom of God in your life when you have that kind of a relationship with him. But if you never have that kind of relationship, the other kingdom of God is where we're going to live one day. And if you've never surrendered everything you know about yourself to everything you know about him, you do not have a ticket into the kingdom of God in heaven one day. So what he's saying, man, he's saying to, to let him be your king here, to enter the kingdom one day eternally. He said there's going to be how many tribulations? So I'm not saying you got to live, and he's not talking about people living, woe is me, blah, 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 I'm getting beat up all the time. That's not where Paul's at. Paul couldn't wait to talk about cool stories. Hey, Linda and Jay, isn't that what I was telling y'all as we were going through the mangroves? And, you know, we're going through the mangroves, and I was telling you, adventure is most fun planning for and talking about later. It's all that great in the middle, but you don't have a cool story. So Jay's got a cool story now. <laughs> Maybe not. As, it's not over yet, dude. One day you're going to be like, yeah, dude, let me show you these scars. No, I'm just <laughs> Seriously. Adventure is most fun planning for and talking about later, but it's all that great in the middle of it. It ain't that great a story. And God wants to have great, you to have great stories so that you can brag on him. So strengthen. Here's what they did, man. He was living it. So he could give it, strengthen the souls of disciples, encourage them, continue in the faith, saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders, so you know what they're doing? They're raising up leaders. So Paul wasn't having to stay there. And they were dependent on Paul for everything. They raised up leaders so Paul could go elsewhere and start something else and start something else because it wasn't built on Paul. It was built on who? God. On God. And God is where? Everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> Which Paul couldn't be. In fact, where's Paul right now? Yeah, yeah could you imagine if we had to like talk to Paul to get instructed? Yeah, I mean, we have the word, but yeah. But we have God. We have the Holy Spirit. When they had appointed elders for them in every church. Hey, think about this. If it was rough for Paul to go through those towns and rough for Paul to come back through those towns, what do you think it was like for the believers who stayed in those towns? You think they were going to need encouragement and strengthening? You think they were going to need some structure and they were going to need to know who's in charge and who God was going to speak through to get them to learn how to hear from God themselves? They needed all that stuff. And so that's where on the way back through, Paul could have said, I ain't going back through there. This is dangerous. I'm leaving. But he would have left these little babies in Christ hanging. He had to help them mature because he loved them. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, and how did they find the elders? In order to pick these elders that were going to actually be elders and stick it out for the long run, they needed elders that came from God. And so they found the elders that were, come, were called by God by what? With what? Prayer and fasting. And it wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to fast for this much and then count on. No, you know when they fast? They fasted until God gave them the answer. Anybody here ever need an answer from God? Let me see your hands. You need an answer from God. I know some of y'all are sleeping. You're, right, this will give you a little bit of exercise right now. You need an answer. Prayer and fasting. Pray. And, and you know when you quit fasting? You quit fasting when he gives you the answer. Try that. It works. He said, man, and when they had appointed elders to the Mary Church with prayer and fasting, then they committed and said, we know God wants you to be the elder, the leader in here. And he's going to equip you to equip the saints. And he committed them to who? To the Lord in whom they believed. Not to Paul. <laughs> All right, now, you've got to do everything I say. 
You're my disciple. No, he committed him to the Lord because Paul's moving on to other places in all this. So he was living it so he could be given it, all right? And so again, real super quick, here we're going to see Paul briefly live it and give it one more time, real super quick, not going to take as much time as we did before. Then they passed, all right, going back through, through Pisidia, came to Pamphyla, so they're on their way back. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, so he's on his way back. What's he doing on his way back? Yes! And why didn't he preach in the other spots and he only preached in this spot on the way back? How come, Zane? Because God told him to. No, are we supposed to share the gospel with everyone? Are we supposed to be willing to? We're supposed to be willing to. And when God says share the gospel with that person, that's the person. So he didn't preach in all those other towns, but he preached in Perga. And we could probably get to ask Paul later one day or see it on God flicks, whatever, when we're in heaven. But, man, we'll find out. But here we know Paul did what God wanted him to do. He went through this town, this town, this town, got to Perga. God said preach, so he preached. And then they went back down to Italia. And from there they sailed back home to Antioch where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. In other words, they came back to their home church. And did they have a story to tell? Oh, you bet they did. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you had a story to tell? And it ain't because God's not working anymore. Chris, is it because God's not working anymore? There's a story. Do you got, man, can, is it possible for us to have a story to tell? Absolutely. Absolutely. If we don't back off, if we don't have predetermined levels where, nope, I'm not going there, God. I'm not going that far, God. It's going, to, it's going to impact my comfort zone. It's going to impact my standard of living. It's going to change everything, and I don't have enough faith to trust you to take me past there. That's why Paul had a story to tell, because he had no boundaries. He had no limits. What do you want me to do now, God? I'm doing it. Even if it means me getting stoned. Because what do he say? To live is what? And to die is what? Matter. How many of y'all agree with that? Don't raise your hand unless you really do. I'm just saying. Yeah. Man, that's some faith right there. And it's not just because Paul was Apostle Paul. It's not just because God wanted to use him to write. It, it's, it's for all of us. All of us can have this same faith. So they sailed from, uh, to Antioch where they'd be commended. This is where they got sent out to the grace of God, the desire and ability to do what God wanted them to do. Uh, and now look what it says. For the work that they had, what? Through the grace of God. God gave, they weren't taking any credit, any anything. God gave them the desired ability. So when we draw that line and say, God, no, 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 no. Is it because God's not going to give us the desire and ability to go past this line? No, it's because we don't trust him to. How many of you ever stepped over that line and trusted him? <laughs> Maybe because you had no choice. And he grew your faith. Anybody will testify to that? That's what he wants. And, and you know what? When you're living it, what comes next? Giving you're giving it. it. And, and people don't have any choice whether they're going to hear it or not, do they, Seth? Did you hear what I almost called you? Zeth. <laughs> That's a combination. It's getting better between Zane and Seth. I so mix them up. Because even though, stand up, you guys. I confuse these two <laughs> so much. <laughs> Because I don't look on the outside, I look on the inside, and they have hearts after God. That's why I confuse them. But man, look at this. Because of the grace of God, the work 
that God had called them to do would be fulfilled. So guess what happened real quick? They just lived it. Now they're getting ready to give it. And we're almost done, I promise. He says, and when they arrived and gathered the church together. So they came back to the church that sent them out. Dude, it'd be so cool, man, when you come back from, uh, when you come back on furlough or you come back, if you were to come back and tell us all the things God did in the Coast Guard. Because you decided you knew your real purpose for being in the Coast Guard. And I do want you to save people, all right? Throw them the life vest, all right? But the lighthouse, the gospel, that's the real life vest. That's the real life vest. Everybody you rescue that's drowning physically is going to die one day. And they're going to spend somewhere in eternity. We've got the real life vest to throw out, and that's the gospel. When they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that Paul had done, right? No? They declared all that what? Yeah, all that God had done with them and how he had what? Yeah, and why were they so amazed that the door was open? Because everybody else thought the door would be what? Closed. That's why a lot of us don't go through. It's closed. It's good. Well, if I go here, then what's going to happen here? And what's going to happen here? If God wants you to go, he's going to open the doors. And he's going to give you grace, the desire and ability to do everything he's called you to do. So God had done with them and how he had opened the door of what? Faith. Faith. To who? To Gentiles. So this first missionary journey was to get the gospel out to the Gentiles. Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all are Gentiles? That means you're not a Jew. Uh, a physical Jew. You're, you're not related, you know, physically back to Abraham. Yeah. Aren't you glad the gospel came to the Gentiles? Aren't you glad Paul didn't have some preconceived barriers? When you get to lead someone else's lost son or daughter to Christ, you think that mom is going to be excited? Oh, yes. When you get to lead that someone's lost husband or wife to Christ, do you think that person's going to be excited? Do you think they're going to be glad that you had no barriers? That you were just open like Paul to say, whatever you want me to do, God, that's what I'm going to do. And you went through it. The same way we're grateful that the gospel's open to us. God wants to use you in ways you can't even imagine. But in order to give it, you've got to be living it. And they remained no little time with the disciples. Why? Why? Was it they were on a sabbatical? Maybe. But why did they stay so long there before? Because they weren't going again until to what happened? Until they got sent out. But why? what were they doing while they were there? They were telling stories, man, because they had lots more stories than what we even covered in here. So here we go. If you're living it, you're what? Yeah. And what I want you to be asking, you, I want you to be reminding yourself, is whatever I'm living, that's what I'm giving. So as I'm driving home, and traffic is crazy, and I'm not happy with somebody doing 25 down Indian River Drive, and I cut over on Walton, and I go over to US-1, and I see the blue angels all flying across US-1 in unison, covering all the lanes, doing 30 miles an hour, as I'm trying to get around people, and then the cop sees me as an aggressive driver, and you people from New York, Paul, are upset because I don't use turn signals, you know? <laughs> you know what, if I use turn signals, I would get such a workout because I'm always weaving, man. But, but if all those things, when I'm getting upset, when I'm getting upset over all these things that don't matter in eternity, that's what I'm living. So what am I going to be getting? And guess who's going to get it? My wife. No, she's riding home on her own today. But. So whatever you're living, that's what you're giving. 
But we have the chance to live the gospel. And if we live the gospel, that's what we'll be given. Isn't that a cool opportunity? Now you have the guts to accept God's grace to do it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Father, thank you for speaking today because I heard you. Um, I'm grateful that you've spoken to my heart, and I pray that your Holy Spirit has spoken to each heart here. I pray that this message was received out of love because that's the way it was intended, and I know that's why you gave it to me was so folks could know how much you love them. Father, I pray that when we do see you, you would just say, well done, good and faithful servant, not because of our performance, because the only thing you ever praised any human for was faith. Father, I look forward to that day and hope that's what you would say is, well done, good and faithful servant, because we were faithful to do whatever it is you call us. Father, if you've revealed to any of us that we're walking in circles, that all we're doing is asking you what, we, what you want us to do, Father, I pray we would stop. If any of us are walking in circles because we're doing and doing and doing and doing the same thing we've done forever because we think that's what you want us to do, Father, I pray we would stop. I pray, Father, we could experience a spirit-filled life and every moment of every day from this point on, we would take one step asking you what you want us to do. And the next step would be in doing it. Not in our strength, not in our power, but in the power of your Holy Spirit through your grace that you give us. And Father, that because we live a supernatural life, seeking first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, that we see everything we need added unto us because we're doing exactly what you want us to do in your power and in your presence and from your perspective and you would use us to be able to bring many more people into the kingdom i pray as paul had a first second third and his whole life was a missionary journey from this point on that's what ours would be too and i pray that there's somebody here that's not sure they're going to heaven when they die you would give them the ability to believe that what christ did on the cross is sufficient to pay for their sins and take them away and if they would just surrender themselves to you, at this point in time, it would have everlasting effects. And they would have eternal life. And I pray they would grow more in love with you so they grow more in love with others. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.